0: are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, the reader and commentator, and today we are beginning day one of this 365-day journey. If you haven't already listened to my introduction, in which I share the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast, I'd encourage you to go back and to listen to it. We're going to be going through the four volumes of Maria of Agreda's mystical city of God. Over 2,500 pages, four volumes. We're going to learn about the life of Mary and also the ministry of Jesus as well. It's going to be a wonderful experience for all of us. Just as kind of an early caveat, I know that book one probably is a bit dense, but I encourage you just to stay with us and on social media, if you follow me at fr Edward Looney on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, I'll be posting when we transition to the next book, book two, because I think a lot of people want to pick up at book two as we begin really the Annunciation and all of those early moments that we know from the scriptures and see how Maria of Agreda fills in the details. I'm so grateful that you have found this podcast. I'm grateful that you want to start listening to the mystical city of God in a year. You might be starting on January 1st, or maybe you're starting on January 3rd or 4th, or maybe it's halfway through the year, but I'm grateful you're with me now, and that you are sitting with these mystical revelations of Maria of Agreda. It shows your great interest in wanting to learn more about Mary and Jesus, and to see how this will deepen your own meditation, your own reflection, your own spiritual life. And now, let's begin with our reading. Introduction to the life of the Queen of Heaven, giving the reason for writing it and explaining other circumstances in connection therewith. I should not be astonished to hear myself condemned as audacious, foolhardy, and presumptuous by any person who will begin to realize, if realized it can be, that I, a simple woman, who is of herself but sheer weakness and ignorance, and who is, on account of her sins, most unworthy, has resolved and attempted to write of divine and supernatural things. This condemnation will be the more justified in these, our present times, in which the Holy Church, our Mother, is so abundantly supplied with teachers and holy men, so rich in doctrines of the Holy Fathers and doctors, In this, our most opportune age, when even prudent and wise persons, full of holy zeal in the spiritual life, are disturbed and troubled, at the least mention of a higher life, looking upon visions and revelations as most suspicious and dangerous paths for the pursuit of Christian perfection. If no excuse can be found for such an enterprise in itself— or even for attempting things that are so far above and superior to what man can hope to compass, and so far beyond all human capacities, then we can only conclude that to undertake them in either a sign of perverse judgment or the result of an activity far surpassing all the human power. As faithful children of the Holy Church, we must confess that all the mortals, not only with the use of all their natural powers, but with the simultaneous use of all the common and ordinary graces are but incapable, and, as it were, mute and ignorant weaklings, for so difficult an undertaking, as to explain and describe the hidden mysteries and magnificent sacraments which the powerful arm of the Most High has wrought in that creature whom, as his mother, He has designed to be an immense ocean of grace and privilege and the depositary of the greatest treasure of the divinity. How incapable must our weakness acknowledge itself to be, when even the angelic spirits confess that words fail them when attempting to describe that which is so far above their thoughts and capacities, the life of this phoenix among the works of God is a book so sealed up that none is found among all the creatures of heaven and earth worthy to open it. It is evident, then, that only the powerful Lord can unseal it, he who made her more perfect than all the creatures, or she herself, the mistress, our queen and mother, who is worthy to receive and properly to appreciate her ineffable gifts. It is in her power to select suitable instruments, and such as for her glory seem capable of manifesting these gifts in the proportion at the time and in the manner serviceable to her only begotten Son. I would willingly maintain that these instruments can be no other than the teachers and learned saints of the Catholic Church or the doctors of the schools who have all taught the way of truth in life. But the thoughts and the judgments of the Most High are exalted as much above our own as heaven is exalted above the earth, and no one knows his mind, and no one can counsel him in his works. He it is that holds the scales of the sanctuary in his hands, and who weighs the winds, who grasps in his hands all the orbs, and who by the equity of his most holy counsels disposes of all things with weight and measure, assigning to each one opportune time and place." He dispenses the light of wisdom, and by his most equitable bounty he distributes it. And no one can ascend to the heavens to draw it down, or fetch it from the clouds, or know its ways, or investigate the hidden paths thereof. He alone observes it as it is in itself, and transfuses it as the vapor and emanation of his immense charity, as the brightness of his eternal light as the flawless reflection and image of his eternal bounty, through holy souls among the nations, in order to make them friends of the Most High and constitute them as prophets. The Lord alone knows why, and for what purpose he thus prepared me, the last of his creatures, why he thus called and raised me, obliged and compelled me to write the life of his most holy mother, our Queen and Lady. It is beyond the prudent surmise of any man, that without this influence and power of the Most High, the thought of such a work should enter into a human heart, or such an enterprise should take shape in my mind. For I acknowledge and confess myself to be a weak woman, wanting in all virtue. Therefore, it should be far from my thoughts to approach such a work, but equally as far from me to refuse it on my own account." in order that a just estimate may be had in this matter, I will mention in simple truth something of that which happened to me regarding this history. In the eighth year, after the foundation of this convent, in the twenty-fifth of my life, obedience imposed upon me the office which I unworthily hold at the present day, namely, to be the abbess of this convent. I found myself much troubled, sorrowful, and discouraged, because neither my age nor my inclinations were such as are requisite for governing and commanding, but they were rather such as befitted one who should be governed and obeyed. I knew also that in order to invest me with this office a dispensation had been obtained. On account of these and other just reasons, the tares with which the Most High has crucified me during all my life were much augmented." In addition thereto, God left me in dreadful doubt whether I was on the secure path or whether I should obtain or lose his friendship and grace. In this tribulation, I cried to the Lord with all my heart that he help me, and if it be his will that I should be freed from this danger and burden. Although it is true that the Lord had prepared me some time beforehand and commanded me to accept the office, and although when I tried to excuse myself on account of my pusillanimity— He always consoled me, and reiterated His command. I nevertheless did not cease my petitions, but rather augmented them. For I perceived and understood in the Lord, that although He showed this to be His holy will, which I could not hinder, yet I was aware at the same time that He left me free to retire and resist, and if I wished to act according to my weakness as a creature, in the consciousness of my total insufficiency, such is the prudence of the Lord in his dealings with men. Relying on this kindness of the Lord, I increased my efforts to be relieved from this evident danger, which is so little estimated by our human nature, with its bad habits and disorderly passions. The Lord, however, repeated continually that it was his will, and he consoled me, admonishing me through his holy angels to obey. I fled in this affliction to our queen and lady, as to my only refuge in all troubles. And after I had manifested to her my way of life and my desires, she deigned to answer me in these sweetest of words, My daughter, console thyself, and do not be disturbed in thy heart on account of this labor. Prepare thyself for it, and I will be thy mother and superior, whom thou shalt obey, and the same I will be to thy subjects." I will supplement thy deficiencies, and thou shalt be my agent, through whom the will of my Son and my God shall be fulfilled. In all thy temptations and troubles thou shalt take refuge with me, confer about them with me, and take the advice which I will give thee in all things. Obey me, and I will favor thee, and will continue to be attentive to thy affliction. These were the words of the Queen, as consoling as they were soothing to my soul. From that day on, the mother of mercy multiplied her mercies toward me, her slave, for she became more intimate with me and continued her intercourse with my soul, receiving me, listening to me, teaching me with ineffable condescension, giving me counsel and encouragement in my affliction, filling my soul with the light and knowledge of eternal life, and commanding me to renew the vows of my profession in her presence. Finally this our most amiable mother and lady revealed herself still more fully to her slave, withdrawing the veil from the hidden sacraments and magnificent mysteries which are contained, though unknown to mortals, in her most holy life. And although this blessed and supernatural light was uninterrupted, and especially clear on her festival days, and on other occasions when I was instructed in many mysteries, yet it was not so full, frequent, and clear, as that which was afterwards vouchsafed to me, when she added the command that I write the history of her life, according to Her Majesty herself. And although this blessed and supernatural light was uninterrupted, and especially clear on her festival days, and on other occasions when I was instructed in many mysteries, yet it was not so full. "'frequent, and clear, as that which was afterwards vouchsafed to me, "'when she added the command that I write the history of her life, "'according as Her Majesty herself should dictate and inspire me. "'Particularly on one of these festivals of the Most Holy Mary, "'the Most High informed me that he had in reserve "'many hidden sacraments and blessings, "'which he had conferred upon this his Heavenly Mother "'in the days of her pilgrimage.' and that it was his intention to manifest them to me, in order that I might write them down according to her guidance. This will of the Most High, though I resisted it, was continually present in my mind for the space of ten years, until I attempted the first writing of this divine history. This concludes the readings of paragraphs 1-7 through seven of the Mystical City of God. When it comes to... Uh, Venerable Maria of Agreda's Life of the Blessed Virgin Mary, we have to realize that this is a work of private revelation. Everything that we're going to hear now in the 365 readings of the mystical city of God does not need to be believed by you. What is necessary for our belief is public revelation, that is, what is contained in the Gospels, what is taught by the ordinary magisterium of the Church. Mystical visions received by holy men and women, like Maria of Agreda, need not be believed. But yet, we have this great curiosity about the Blessed Virgin Mary, about her life, about the life of her son Jesus. And so that's why we often turn to these mystical biographies And we look for what is lacking in our knowledge. We see what they say so that they might deepen our faith, that they might deepen our love of Almighty God and of the Blessed Virgin Mary. In these introductory paragraphs that we just heard, paragraphs 1 through 7, we heard that God is beginning to stir within the soul of Maria of Agreda. That God chose her at a very young age to be the abbess of her religious community. That God is the one who is entrusting her this task of writing down the life of the Blessed Virgin Mary. A few things worthy of note from what we just heard. She says, I fled in this affliction to our queen and lady as to my only refuge in all troubles. And so we fly to the Blessed Mother in our difficulties. It's why the Christian people turn to Mary in their hour of need. It's why they visit her shrines. That in our affliction, we go to her because we know that she is our mother, that she is our intercessor. And as she fled to Mary, we heard that Mary spoke to her, that interiorly she senses these words that Mary speaks My daughter, console thyself. Do not be disturbed. Do not be disturbed. Remember, that's what Mary is told. Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. And now Mary repeats those words to Maria of Agreda. Do not be disturbed about how God is calling you, how God is going to use you in this role now as Mother Abbess. She went on to say, From that day on, the mother of mercy multiplied her mercies toward me. And maybe we notice the powerful intercession of Mary and how those mercies of our Lord are multiplied towards us, especially as we fly to Mary's intercession. She says that her soul was filled with knowledge of eternal life. And really for us, that's what we seek as we're reading the mystical city of God that we want to know the glory of heaven so that we can anticipate it here on earth. Maria of Agreda did that in her life. And now, as she writes and tells the story of Mary's life, well, we too anticipate that life with God forever. We anticipate one day seeing this mother of mercy who has prayed for us so much. Let us pray. Almighty God, you chose Maria of Agreda. You commissioned her to write this life of the blessed Virgin Mary. As you chose her, we know that you have chosen us for special tasks, for a special mission in our life. Open our ears that we might hear your call. Open our eyes that we might see where you are leading us. Open our heart to follow you unreservedly, that we might carry out your will, that we might do it in our lives. With Mary we say, let it be done to me, according to your word. Amen. This has been day one of our reading of the mystical city of God. This is volume one, The Conception, written by venerable Mary of Agreda. I hope that you'll join us again tomorrow as we continue making our way through these first pages, this introduction to the mystical city of God. God bless you, and Mary pray for you always.